Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, the first seven verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, I was thinking about this night and just the excitement that I have in getting to share with you and connect. And, you know, uh, I, I want us to think about those times when, when we were young children. Had a lot of them in the first, the uh, five o'clock service. They were running around crazy, involved in a tableau. And they, they had that joy and just kind of affectious, you know, enthusiasm uh, for Christmas. And, you know, uh, as we grow, you know, that, that feeling, those emotions, they may come and go. We may have different feelings and experiences in different seasons. I find that every Christmas is different because every year is different, right? And every season in life is different. But the foundational truth I want to share with you tonight is this, that everyone who is open to receive the gift of Jesus, every person who is open can receive the gift of Jesus because of how he was wrapped in love and how it was wrapped in love. And I want to share with you a gift that I recall uh, that was wrapped in love for me. Uh, I was 12. It was Christmas in 1984. You can do the math then of ages and stages in life. Uh, But what I wanted more than anything that Christmas was a new bike. And I wanted that bike so bad that, you know, and kind of anticipating that my parents had, had gotten me a bike for Christmas, I went around looking for it. Now, I don't know how many of you would admit to looking around for your Christmas presents when you were a kid, or maybe you still do it. I think Beth still does it, but I'm not going to hold her to it. But I was 12, and I'm kind of looking around a house, see if I could find the present. I didn't see anything, so I kind of gave up at some point. And then about a week or so before Christmas, I went out to our garage, went out to the laundry room where I I never went because my mom did all my laundry, and I opened up the dryer to get out my basketball uniform, and I looked over, and there it was, a shiny, silver, huffy bike, dirt bike, and I was like, whoa, there it is, and I was stoked. The sad thing was, watching a week later as my dad tried to conceal this gift on the top of our old Brady Bunch station wagon for the trip between Cupertino, California, where I grew up, and Yuba City, not far from here, where we celebrated Christmas Eve every year with my grandparents. I mean, I remember my dad putting this elaborate tarp over the bike on top of the station wagon and just going to amazing lengths to try to cover over and conceal this gift so I would receive it at just the right time in just the right way. 
You know, I was thinking about this and the lengths that God goes through Jesus to, to wrap the love of God up in the person of Jesus, love with skin on it, to have the Son of God, one and only Son of God, come down, be born in a baby, and, and to wrap that gift of Jesus up so that we would be able to receive him at just the right time and in just the right way. And I was thinking about that experience back in, in 1984 and, and how it might impact us today. And, and some of us, you know, um, the gift of Jesus, the gift of life offered you in Jesus, may feel just kind of concealed somehow. You've never seen that gift or experienced it or understood its meaning for you. It just seems kind of distant. Christmas is kind of going through the rhythms culturally. And, you, and you've just never yet experienced the love of God shown to you in Christ. And if you're in that place and you're here, I'm really thankful you're here tonight. Some of us um, have seen and experienced the gift of Jesus and the love of God through Christ, much like me seeing the bike ahead of time. And, and, and it's kind of familiar. And you're, you're almost kind of trying to drum up the enthusiasm. I have to admit that I had to fake my excitement that Christmas Eve. That like it was, oh, whoa, surprise, it's a bike. And some of you may be feeling this season especially that it's just hard to find that wonder and awe that you once knew in relationship with God. Maybe you've been following Jesus for some time, but 2023 has, hasn't been an easy year. Maybe there's an experience of grief and loss, a job change, um, a relational break, or some kind of experience that has made it difficult for you to experience the love of God wrapped up in the person of Jesus this season. And again, if that's you, I'm really glad you're here. And another group, I'm going to say, are those that are just grateful. Grateful for the love of God. Grateful that he revealed himself to you through Jesus and Jesus coming to this earth. Grateful that God would go to such amazing lengths to show you how much he loves you. And again, if you're in that place, in that space tonight... I'm really glad you're here. But what I want to say is the gift of God that was wrapped in love in the person of Christ came in the midst of difficult circumstances, not easy ones. We're told in Scripture that Caesar Augustus issued a decree. He shook things up. That a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. He's going to count everybody, okay? And everyone went to his own town to register. And so uh, Luke puts these events... In the context of world history, God used a Roman emperor to fulfill the plan he announced in Micah 5.2. In Micah 5.2, it says the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So we read this first, and it makes it seem like Caesar Augustus is in charge. He's moving people around. He's making this Galilean couple, Mary and Joseph, travel the 70 miles from from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a three-day journey at least, And he is orchestrating everything. But behind it all is God's plans and purpose. To get Jesus, to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where it was said that the Messiah would be born. So in one sense, it looks at first glance, again, like Caesar's moving things around. But really, it's the divine king's plan and his purposes that are unfolding in history. And what it's showing is that emperors and governments and laws serve the purposes of God often without knowing it. Now, a Roman census was taken to either, you know, kind of 
count the, the able-bodied males that could go in the military or to collect taxes. The Jews in Jesus' day did not have to fight in the Roman army, but they couldn't get away from paying taxes. And so Mary and Joseph have to travel again the 70-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to register and basically pay their taxes. And I just imagine in my mind the questions that are going through in their, their heads. I, I try to imagine what it would have been like for Joseph. I mean, you know, here he is, uh, you know, an impending father in terms of adopting Jesus into his family. <laughs> and, and, and he's wanting to care for his, his betrothed, his, his, his fiance, as they prepare to, you know, to be married. And, and as, a, as a, a husband of almost 30 years, as a dad, I know how much I long to protect my wife. I know how long I long to protect my children. I know what it was like when, when the chil- my children were in Beth's womb and, and how I wanted to care for her. And I just pictured Joseph wanting to smooth out the bumps, you know, on this ride on a donkey. <laughs> and I and imagine Joseph wanting to make it easier for Mary. And I just picture Mary and thinking, why, Lord? <laughs> why now? I mean, come on. I'm nine months pregnant. I'm about to pop, and we have to take a big trip. I mean, I remember how much Beth loved to nest when our children were about to be born. I mean, come on, we're talking about crib. We're talking about this beautiful, immaculate nursery. And even though it was a different age and stage, and Mary was there, and and Jesus was born, I have to imagine She was still trying to cultivate this sense of, okay, I'm going to create this space and place for this baby to be born. And then all of a sudden, different travel plans come through, and they have to travel this distance to Bethlehem to register. And once they get there, there's no room for them in an inn. I mean, I'm sure they already had lots of questions for God. How can this be, Mary asked, when the angel said, you're going to be with child. And Joseph said, well, you know, I'm going to divorce her because something happened here. And, and God speaks into his life through an angel and says, hey, don't be afraid to marry her. This child that's been conceived is, is of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit has conceived this child. And I'm sure Joseph's going, are you serious? And then they get there. And there's no room. And you know, when we experience special events in life, we want those events to be sorted, uh, supported. We want them to just be perfect, don't we? I remember uh, experience, Beth and I were married June 11th, 1994, almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years this coming year. And uh, we got married in Cupertino, California, and uh, we're kicking off our honeymoon by traveling up to San Francisco and had made all our plans. And the next day we're flying to Hawaii. So we're going up to San Francisco. We arrive, and of course, I'm excited. We're excited. We go into our hotel lobby and walk up to the desk and say, the Griffins, you know, have a reservation. And he says, I'm sorry, but we're, we're overbooked. I said, no, 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 no. No, this is our honeymoon. I got, we got married at 1 o'clock today, and uh, we made reservations. Um, this is where we're staying. No, 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 no. We're, we're overbooked. We don't have any room. And I have to admit, Beth walked away from the desk, like, I can't even talk to this person. And I leaned in and I said, you don't understand. We just got married. We made these plans. We are staying in this hotel tonight. 
And he said, you don't understand. I don't have any room. But what I can do for you is have you stay at this other hotel. And I was just beside myself. But we were provided a place to stay. We had a beautiful, wonderful honeymoon. But those plans certainly diverted from what we originally thought they would be. And for Mary and Joseph, we could say that happened to the uttermost. The plans were totally rearranged. The gift of love that ultimately would be poured out and experienced in Jesus was conceived under totally different circumstances and situations. Not in Nazareth, but in Bethlehem. Not in an inn, but in a stable. Not placed in a, a, you know, a basket or a, a crib, but a manger. Basically a holding place for, for fodder, uh, for animals to eat. And that's how it happened. Needless to say, for Joseph, the gift of God uh, had to be supported and, and stewarded or shepherded along the way. He went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there, we are told, to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. What do we learn with all that? We learn that the promise that the Messiah would be born in the line of David and that David would have an heir on the throne for all time becomes fulfilled because of the lineage that Jesus had through Joseph being adopted into his family. And Mary also was from the line of David. The promises of the prophets in Micah 5.2 and other places are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. But it was not easy. It caused this young family to travel and to seemingly be directed by the Roman authorities. But what we see in and through it all is God is ultimately orchestrating his will. That doesn't mean that he softened Joseph's bumpy road, but he strengthened him to walk through it. And what that means, friends, is that God wants to reveal his love for you, even when it isn't always easy to see or experience it. He longs to draw you into a a greater trusting relationship with him. But that doesn't mean that all things are going to be smooth along the ride. What it does tell us is that wherever you are, wherever you are from, you can come. You can come and welcome this gift of Jesus that was wrapped in love for you. Because God did everything he could to show you how much he was committed to you and how much he loves you. I mean, think about Joseph as a faithful husband that could have jumped ship any time along the way, but he didn't. He was faithful and walked with Mary and saw the birth of Jesus occur. He stuck with it. But that pales in comparison, friends, to God's commitment to you. He didn't just come and be born as a baby. He grew up and he wants to be at the center of your life. And he remains committed to you, utterly committed to you. There are times when, you know, I've just blown it in life, kind of wandered off on my own, made poor choices or different things at times, but God has remained committed to me. And the amazing thing about Jesus is because of who he is, from the line of David, because he filled these promises of the Messiah, and because he belonged there, he's brought us into a belonging relationship with God. Because he ultimately grew up, was sacrificed in his death on the cross and rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, we, you and I, can belong to the family of God. It says it simply in John 1, 12, 
Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you belong to the family of God. I just want you to say with me, I belong to the family of God through Jesus. I don't know about you, but there are times when I don't feel like I belong in life. Maybe I felt left out. Maybe, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I'm just not connecting as well as I would like with people. But what God has done through Jesus is supported this invitation to come and be a part of the family of God and ultimately to belong. In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are part of the people of God. Did you catch those words? You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're part of a holy nation when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are God's special possession. Did you forget that? In the midst of the challenges in life and the bumps and bruises that we all experience, have you forgotten that you were chosen in Christ? In Ephesians 1, it talks about in him we were chosen. In him we were claimed. In love, we were predestined. God pre-chose to love you and care for you and seek to draw you into a relationship with him. Not because of anything you've done, but because of how much he loves you. And And Joseph's commitment to Mary basically pales in comparison with God's ultimate commitment to you. And you know, they were totally drawn out of their comfort zone and having to make this journey and the circumstances that they were in where Jesus was born. But I think what happens is the more we're drawn out of our comfort zones in life, the more we turn to God and, and, and can depend on him. I know when things have been growing great in my life and same things seem successful and all that, I start to think, oh, I've got it together. And, and pride sets in. And, 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 I, and I don't recognize the depth of my, my need for a Savior. That because of my sin, there's nothing I can do to save myself. I, the only thing I can do is ask God to, to save me. And what does God do? He wraps the gift of love and his power to save us in the person of Jesus. The Son of God took on flesh, literally love, with skin on it. We're told that while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger to basically wrap Jesus up to help him feel safe and secure. Now that he's a 17-year-old and runs really fast, I sometimes forget that when Josh was born at 29 weeks, he was only three pounds, three ounces. He was tiny. He had to spend six weeks in the NICU just just growing up and, you know, using these new lungs and developing the ability to breathe. And I remember how much, how like tight he would be wrapped up in these, these, you know, these garments in order to feel safe and secure. And I remember the nurses in the NICU, it was, it was an odd thing, but I'd walk in and like, like, okay, you need to take your shirt off. And I'm like, okay, take my shirt off because we want you to experience him like skin to skin. We want, you, we want him to know the warmth of your skin next to him. We want him to feel safe and secure in your love as a dad. 
And, and friends, that's what God has done for you in Jesus. He put love with skin on it. It's like the skin-to-skin touch he took on flesh so that you could know that God doesn't love you from a distance. He didn't just send you a nice, warm Christmas card this season. He actually sent his son, and he wrapped him up with skin on it to be able to see God in flesh and see what he is willing to do to show you that he loves you. And for Jesus to be born in a manger, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the hotel being filled and just getting to stay in another nice hotel in San Francisco. We're talking about him being born into the mess and the muddle of real life, into those situations where where we have a hard time conceiving the depth of God's love, and we're wondering whether it is really for us. For him to be born in a manger is, is God saying, I am right there with you. I am willing to to be present to you right at the most challenging points in life, right when life is most difficult, when it just doesn't make sense. And the the goodness of the gift of God being wrapped up in in Jesus is that we can see and, and start to fathom that that gift is for us. And that God, in sending his son, would wrap his love so much with skin on it and place him in this world so that you can see and experience him for yourself. Not because I'm telling you. Not because God transformed Diana's life as amazing as her story is. But because God wants to do that for you. Because he has plans and purposes for a relationship with you. Not just everybody else. You know, though he loves the world, though he has plans and designs for particular people, but he has plans and designs for you to be in an intimate relationship with you and to wrap his love up in such a way that you can see and experience that this wasn't just the greatest event that ever took place in history. I mean, we do aid, you know, we've, we've marked our calendars by, you know, B.C. and A.D. when, you know, around his birth. I mean, this is the ultimate turning point in history. But it's not just intended to be this gift off in the distance or a turning point of dates and times. It's meant to be the turning point of each of our lives. It's meant to be the thing that changes us To know and trust that there was a Savior who was born. That he came. That he was wrapped in love for us to see the greatest gift, God's majesty, with flesh on it. And Paul said in in Philippians 2 that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant, was made in human likeness. And he became obedient, even obedient to death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue express that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But the only way we're able to do that is because of what he was willing to do for us. To come and to take on skin. To be born not in a mansion, not in, you know, the palace, not in the temple, not even in the inn, not even in the katalume, the enclosure for the cattle, but actually born and placed in a manger. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord, who was wrapped in love and was the greatest gift that could ever be given. Friends, I was thinking about this quality of of this gift that we've been given. 
And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, there's different attitudes in our culture now about re-gifting. Sometimes we receive a gift that we don't really want. We give it to somebody else thinking, ah, maybe they'll appreciate it more. I was sharing this morning that uh, we had been gifted two copies of the Christmas film Elf. And now, you know, we can get movies on streaming services and in other ways. So even having one DVD of the movie Elf, it's like, okay, what am I going to do with this? But we had two. So we re-gifted it at the staff Christmas party last Friday night. And people are like, re-gifting? But let me share something with you. The reality is that every gift you have has been, gift you give has been re-gifted. Because God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's given you the best gift that could be given. His His own son. The second person of the Trinity, the one who has shown you love, again, with skin on it. And my question for you is, is there room in your heart for him? There wasn't any room for him in an inn, but does your heart have room enough to welcome him and to receive him? Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anybody opens the door and hears my voice, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I just want you to know tonight that I believe that Jesus is knocking again and whether that's opening yourself back up to him because you closed the door at some point whether that's opening the door up and and saying you know hello to him for the first time there's an opportunity here I heard about a nativity play one day and one night and there was a boy who was playing the character of the innkeeper and you know the innkeeper's meant to say there's no room go somewhere else and this kid was like having a crisis because he had to play this role and to say no to Jesus and shut the door and not allow him in so the time of the nativity play came to the point where the innkeeper would say his famous words there's no room and instead this kid acted like he opened the door and he said come right in That's the opportunity we have, friends, to say to Jesus, come right in. There's room here for you. A little town of Bethlehem is one of my favorite carols. It says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. For God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Friends, if you have never made that decision to allow Christ into your heart and your life, I can't encourage you enough to do that. One of my good friends, Ty, this morning came up to me and said, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. I share a birthday with Jesus. And I said, that's really cool. You were born on Christmas Day and you share the birthday with Jesus. But friends, an even more important birthday can take place spiritually when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Diana shared about her spiritual birthday that took place this last year. But if you haven't ever had that spiritual birthday, I just encourage you to say to God, sorry for trying to live life on my own, my own power and will and direction. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And please, please come into my heart and my life and make all things new. Come and make your home in. And friends, there may be one, some of you out there tonight that this would be the time to do that, 
to celebrate the gift of God given to you, wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And if that's you, I just invite you to pray with me uh, this simple prayer tonight. God, first of all, I say sorry. Sorry for trying to live life on my own strength. Sorry for not recognizing the gift of God in Jesus. And thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth and living your life here. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising to new life so that I could have new life one day. And please, please come into my heart and my life. Transform me from the inside out. I I long for you to make me new. Help me to trust that you can do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you've made that decision tonight, please let somebody know so they can celebrate with you. And if you've been following Jesus for some time, I just want to remind you to be in the business of re-gifting. You've been given the grace of God. It's the greatest gift that could ever be given. But friends, there are people out there who don't know that the grace of God is available. Would you consider re-gifting that grace? By showing grace and mercy to friends, family members, neighbors, coworkers, people that don't yet know him, so that they can experience his love as well. Friends, the gift of God, the love of God was wrapped up in the person of Jesus. But guess what? He re-gifts his grace through you and me now. Through reflecting Christ's love with skin on it through you. And friends, you're going to be gathering with people over the holidays, people that are hurting, people that need to know that there's hope. And my hope and prayer is that you would re-gift the grace of God and that you would give that away to somebody. Amen? Amen.